welcome to Design Your Reality, a podcast for all things business, mindset, and design. I'm your host, Tara Rotelli, a New Jersey interior designer who drank far too much coffee before recording this intro. But seriously, I am so incredibly excited to grow with you as these episodes unfold. I am scouring the country to connect you with some of the most interesting and inspiring minds that we could ever meet. My intention is to help you thrive and support you in creating the life of your dreams, baby. Hey listener, thanks so much for tuning into this episode that is near and dear to my heart where I hope to bring you a tremendous amount of value and potentially help you see your home through a completely different lens than you're looking at it now. Now, when I was planning this episode, I started by making an outline and a a little bulleted list of the things I wanted to cover. And then I looked at this list and I said, no, no way. I can't fit all of that into one episode. So, um, you know, before I get into it, I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, Design Your Reality will have multiple episodes pertaining to interior design. And I invite you to check all of them out because they'll each have their own bit of focus. But for today, I'm assuming that I'm speaking to a listener who lives in a home. Now, let's start there, okay? Let's look at this very simply. Look how blessed you are to have a home. You either have an apartment, you share an apartment with somebody, maybe you're dorming, maybe you're in college, or maybe you've just purchased your first home. This home might be a thousand square feet, it might be six thousand square feet, and then some. This home might be a condo where you're living with neighbors or an apartment building, or you have a private residence. So if one of those is you, then welcome. There is a seat at this table for you. (laughs) And I always like to remind my clients to practice gratitude whenever we're talking about interior design because the truth of the matter is there are so many without homes, right? And I know this seems very fundamental. That's like a car dealership saying, I know you're looking for the heated seats, but just be happy that you can afford a car. I know this seems very fundamental, but I want to direct your attention towards the beauty that you have already. If you're listening to this and you have a roof over your head, congratulations, okay? (laughs) So moving on, um, you know, no designer is the same. So you'll talk to or listen to 20 to 1,000 interior designers and you'll get that many schools of thought, that many different schools of thought. But... For me, for Tara Rotelli and and her design process, there are certain things that I focus on very heavily with my clients. And it doesn't matter if they live in an apartment that they're renting for a year or they are building a custom home that is over a million dollars and they plan to raise their family in and pass down for generations. It doesn't matter the scale of the space. It doesn't matter the size. It doesn't matter the budget. We all get to follow the same process when you're working with me, okay? 
So where to begin? <laughs> there are so many things that I can't wait to share with you that I truly believe you following along with are going to change the relationship you have with your home. So the first thing I want you to focus on here before we talk about anything else is I want you to realize that your interior environment guides your mindset. It's that simple. And depending on what you believe in, what your focus is in life, you may or may not realize that. Um, I have met and I have experienced tons of people who take their home for granted and they basically disassociate from it. Does that make sense when I say that to you? For example, if you're somebody who rolls out of bed and takes one look around the room and stumbles into the bathroom and you do your bathroom routine and you don't really take a minute to look around and appreciate the, the walls around you and the space around you and the colors and the textures. You just kind of go through the motions and you get out the door and you go to wherever you're going. Versus there's clients that I've worked with who they open their eyes in the morning and they take a minute to, you know, they blink and they, they look at the ceiling and then they glance over to the artwork that's next to them beside, the, beside their bed. And then they move the blankets over and they put their feet down onto the carpet. And with your feet, you can feel the fibers of the carpet, whether it's an area rug or wall-to-wall -wall carpet. In your imagination, it can be whatever you want it to be, okay? And then they, you know, walk across their bedroom and they open the handle to their door, which is a beautiful shape. It's something a little more obscure that they picked out themselves that was very special to them. And then they swing that door open and they walk into the bathroom where they are greeted with beautiful glass tile or porcelain tile made to look like marble. And they have wallpaper that has a texture that reminds them of the beach, the ocean, where they used to go when they um, were little and then they have to turn on the faucet to brush their teeth and that faucet has crystal handles and the crystal handles remind them of their grandmother's home when they were little. It's made to look um, kind of retro um, and, and so on and so forth, okay? So I've just taken you on a journey through one person's relationship with their home where everything around them makes them smile, brings them joy, they feel connected to versus the first person who may, you know, get out of bed, wobbles over and slams the door and, you know, they don't think about their atmosphere. And, you know, some would argue that, well, the reason why I don't think about it, Tara, is because I don't care about it. And that's okay. If you're not ready to care about your interior, I'm not here to change your mind. But for those that are kind of catching my drift here, your environment gets to be a reminder of all the things in the world that you find special and beautiful. And the reason why that's the life you want, when you open your eyes and you look around and you just love everything in your eye shot, the reason why you want that is because the rooms that we create and the rooms that we live in create us back, okay? So write this down if you have to, okay? The rooms we create create us back. When you wake up to 
a beautiful room, a bedroom that you just hand selected and custom curated everything in it, you wake up in an atmosphere that loves you back. And I know that sounds kind of like corny and woo woo and like holistic, but imagine how you feel when you go on vacation. Okay. If you've been blessed enough to go on a really nice vacation and you've stayed in a hotel room that when you put that key card in the door and you, the door swings open and you go, oh, awesome. And the first thing you want to do is like lay on the bed and sprawl out and dump your stuff down and just relish in how fabulously luxurious this room makes you feel. Or maybe you want to take out your phone and record it on Snapchat or Instagram to show all your friends, like, look at this space I get to be in. Have you been there? Because if you've been there, that feeling is what we want to tap into. That feeling of like, oh, this is so stunning. That's the feeling that right there we're trying to capture with the art of interior design. And that feeling looks different for everybody. Now, I'm 33. I've been designing realistically, unofficially, since I'm 17. And uh, I basically, my first design job was before I even entered into college. And that's that job, that first job I had was working in a wallpaper store, a, a boutique wallpaper store in Bergen County. It was actually in Hillsdale. And uh, I had been trained on all things wallpaper very intensely by my aunt who was actually managing the wallpaper store and she had to go on uh, leave for uh, a surgery. So she figured instead of hiring a stranger, she would hire me. And so my background in interior design started at 17 and now I'm 33. And I can tell you from then to now, I have worked with such a vast majority, uh, I'm sorry, a wide variety, I should say, of personalities. I've worked with people who are outgoing and wild and fun and spontaneous. And I've worked with people who are very calm and reserved. I've worked with people who like, um, you know, very luxurious materials, very bespoke high-end materials. And I've worked with people who like very rustic things. And with that, I, I'm telling you this because all of them, the goal for each one of them, all of these different characters that I've come across in my story, in my profession, what sparks joy for them and what makes a home feel truly like a home is personalized specifically to them. So the first thing I want you to take away from this conversation, besides what I told you to write down, which is the rooms we create, create us back, right? I want you to realize that you don't need anybody else's reassurance or validation in your life about the direction that you want to take your home in. And this is coming from your designer. In this conversation, I'm working for you. You're listening to my podcast, but I'm here working for you now. Okay. And I'm giving you the same advice I give to my paid VIP clients. Okay. I think when we do when we when we as humans take on big projects so right now what's relevant for me to speak on is right now I'm planning a wedding and that is a giant undertaking for me personally because I've obviously never planned a wedding before and I wasn't involved in the planning of many other weddings so 
What do you do when you're taking on something new and you feel a little like a fish out of water? Well, you reach out to your friends, your family, your mother-in-law, people working at the stores, the vendors, and you get their opinion. And then through those opinions, you kind of sort through those opinions and you decide what resonates with you and what doesn't. But sometimes we're seeking, by getting those opinions, we're seeking validation. And maybe it's because we're insecure about what we're doing because we've never done it before. These are all natural feelings. So when you're looking to redesign your home, whether it's on a small scale or a large scale, um, I think sometimes we feel naturally compelled to involve other people in our lives by saying to our sister on the phone, you know, I really like white cabinets. What do you think? Do you think they'd look good here? To which your sister would respond with, oh, yeah, go for it. That sounds good. Or she'll say, oh, no way. Mom always had white cabinets growing up. I think you should go for the gray. Gray's really in right now, right? So <laughs> what, what I'm... What I'm getting at, though, is that you don't need anybody's validation when it comes to the interior design choices in your home. Now, I know some could say, well, Tara, I entertain a lot and my family comes over and I, I love hot pink, but I'm not going to sit here and make a hot pink house that my family's going to feel uncomfortable visiting. Well, there's uh, extremes to everything, right? And okay, maybe if you're someone who loves hot pink, we want to figure out a way to incorporate it without making all of your family miserable. <laughs> but generally speaking, regardless of your design taste, what people are expecting to experience when they come to your home that you're entertaining at, you're, you're entertaining your family and they're coming over, what they're looking for is a loving home that makes them feel good being a guest. Right. So if it's your turn to host Thanksgiving or if you're religious and you're hosting, you know, let's say it's Shabbos, if you're in the Jewish community or, you know, whatever it is, if it's a birthday party, an engagement party, a wedding, let's say you're having many family members over. OK, as long as there's a sense of authenticity and love and friendship and good food and something pretty and a hostess and host that's happy. Those are the things that will make your guests feel like they love coming over. But if you're someone who's saying, okay, I have to call everybody in my phone book and get their opinion before I renovate my kitchen, by the time you're done, you're running the risk of not even resonating with the house that you've just designed or the kitchen you've just created. So my goal when I'm working with somebody as their designer is, yeah, I want to give them, of course, that um, peace of mind that they're not making any mistakes. And I want to give them that professional guidance. But more importantly, I want to give them the confidence that it's okay to make decisions without receiving or so seeking out validation from your friends and family. Because that's when the waters get muddy. And I hope always that when you start an interior design process, when you start a redesign, I hope that this is more than just out with the old and with the new, let's move on with our lives. I hope that it is healing for you. So 
when you turn this episode on, and, and let me stop here at 15 minutes in, okay? When you turn this episode on, did you think you were going to hear, let me give all of you the top three paint colors of the season. That's not what I'm here in my design practice to do. I'm not here to say, well, these are the top five trends of the year. That's not what I do, and that's not how I feel people grow through interior design. Interior design is truly a healing modality. And I have watched people's lives change for the better due to successful design that truly resonates with them and lights them up when they see the end result. So, you know, if you're one listening and you're not doing a large project and you're just like, okay, Tara, I have this apartment and I live here and I'm here for another year or two and I'm not looking to do anything major, but I, I want it to look nice. What should, what do, where do I begin? Well, again, I need you to look internally. Everything starts with who you are and I need you to take some time out of your busy, crazy life that I'm sure you have with whether it's your life is filled with work responsibilities or children or family, no matter what it is, I, I invite you to take this as an opportunity to really learn yourself. And, you know, there's, there's many people that come to me and they'll say, well, Tara, I have this Pinterest board and I know I really like Hollywood glam. I like white with um, touches of uh, textured fabrics and shag carpet and um, you know Swarovski crystal chandeliers that's what I that's what I love and sometimes that'll be spot-on and and that person does come to me and they already pretty much know what they like and what sparks joy in their heart but I've also seen where people come to me and they we start and they say well this is what I love and once I ask them a little bit more about it and why and ask them the types of things that are personal uh, that make them rewind back in time a bit and really try to get them to dig a little deeper than these photos, sometimes what really truly resonates with them is, is a different variation of what they had originally thought. And, uh, you know, it's not my intention to confuse you or you know, fix something that's not broken necessarily. But for me, it's a win if a client comes to me and says, Tara, I love X. And I take them through my process. And at the end of the process, yeah, I still love X, Y, Z. <laughs> that's great. That means, you know what, we can move forward confidently together. But I, I can honestly tell you, probably only eh, I would say a, a fifth of my clients have that foundation of confidence where they know what they like. The majority of people, so if this is you, you're not alone. The majority of people don't really know what they like because a lot of the home decisions you've made in your life were focused around finances. The things that you're looking at right now in your bedroom, office, kitchen, living room, you might have bought because they were a good deal at the store or you know it was on sale and you know it's normally more expensive and you caught it on a deal so you couldn't resist it right so that happens more often than not and you end up with a collection and an assortment of things that you're like I don't even like this thing like what is this jankety picture frame I don't like this thing I got it at home goods it was 399 
this is what ends up. This is what happens because we're not being intentional sometimes when we are filling our homes with things. So there's a lot to kind of like unpack when I work with somebody there's, and I give them that safe space and I'm giving that to you listener now where, you know, I, and I would imagine if you're listening to this, you have, there's something on your radar that you want to change about your home, but I invite you to unpack things and think about it as like, well, why do I have this bed? What do I like about it? Why do I have this dresser? What do I like about this dresser? And, you know, sometimes we have to do things on a micro level and all of those little details add up to a bigger fundamental uh, picture. So there's a lot that goes into this with interior design and, um, you know, there's a lot that I could happily guide you through um, if you become a client of mine. Um, but again, if not, let's, let's go off of this episode and I invite you to, and let's recap, I invite you to really try to visualize what it is that you would love to have. Find photos, um, you know, close your eyes and think about some of the places you've been that brought you the most joy. And for some of us, that might, might be a hotel room. That might be a family member's house you've been to. And like, you just have immense joy when you think about this place, right? And the next thing I invite you to think about is, you know, why do you have the things that you have now? Like what drew you to them? Was it a sale? Was it a hand-me-down? Was it something that you saw trending on Instagram that everybody seems to have? So you were hoping to, you know, okay, I'll get that too. That seems in right now. You know, and you didn't mean any harm when you made any of these decisions. You were trying to advocate for yourself and purchase things that seemingly fit a need for you at the time that you bought them. But, you know, again, if we deconstruct your home and how it stands now and we analyze on a micro level each thing that you have and really look at why you have it, I bet half of the stories you have around the items in your home silly and I don't mean that as like you know you hey listener you've made some really poor decisions about your house that's not what the intention is the intention is you know if there's three to seven things in your home that you look at and you're just like that doesn't make me happy in fact I don't like the color it reminds me of something negative from my past you know or I don't connect with that piece of art at all I picked it up because it was on sale like these are all things these are all ingredients that we can remove from your home and I'm going to butcher this, but there is a design quote I've heard a colleague, a colleague say that says a, a design and a room isn't complete when you've added everything that you can add. It's complete when you've taken away everything that you can take away. So following that school of thought, you know, when starting a new design project and you look around you and you really analyze what's around you, half of it might be garbage, like mentally garbage. You might have moved past it. You might realize that it's not something that you resonate with anymore. So I like to go through exercises like this that are highly emotional. And it's in, it's in this work, in this emotional conversation and all of these exercises that you really get to make discovery about yourself so that when all is said and done and we get to the space the part where we can make selections together or you can make selections on your own that you can 
confidently do so without feeling like you need to call your Aunt Pat or talk to your sister or ask for opinions from everybody that you know. You're, you know that you're picking it because it just makes sense from the roadmap that you've built yourself during this emotional evaluation. Now, I have to pause here before I continue um, giving you guys this perspective and let you know that I do have a concrete method that's a little bit more organized that I take my clients through. I have now uh, dubbed it the design therapy method and it's a five-step method and I consider it to be intensive because I end up taking usually it's average averaging about two hours per client where we do um, exercises and I ask them certain questions that they've maybe never asked themselves and I take down all that I've learned and I put it actually into report form now if my colleagues are listening to this and they hear this they might say like Tara that sounds like a ton of work but it works for me and it's not something that I've been doing since the dawn of my career it's not even something I was doing a year ago it's something I've developed through COVID, through 2020, and realize that basically I'm streamlining my process so that um, I can make sure all boxes are checked with every client, that I don't miss anything. So what I end up doing is taking them through this five-step process called the design therapy method, compiling a consultation report where everything that we've talked about is organized in a very specific way. Um, that we end up referring back to sometimes uh, once we're at a later part of the design process. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. But right now, because this isn't a personalized formal consultation, I'm not going to walk you through these five steps because they're out of context. Instead, I'm hoping to get your mind in a place where um, it could go if we were working together. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> if it doesn't, please email me and tell me. <laughs> but um, moving along, I, you know, something so important about our homes is that they should be a reflection of you, as we all know, but also be a reflection of the life you envision for yourself. So what does that mean? We are all working, hopefully, to become better every single day. And, you know, maybe it's not so intentional for some of us where we don't wake up and say, God, give me the strength to be better at this or that, or where we maybe meditate to try to get ourselves to a better place, a higher vibration. You know, maybe you're not so intentional, but I think as humans, we have this, we're, we're compelled to want to be better. So when we're looking at our homes and you're identifying that, okay, I want to redo this room, you're pretty much saying that you want this room to be better. You want it to be, um, you know, it, you want it to serve you and your future self. You want it to be not just a reflection of you, but of the life that you wish you were living. Because if you were already living that life, the room would already be working for you. Does that make sense? So with that said, um, something else I invite you to do, and let's say it's a living room project, right? So plug and play, whatever room you're working on. If it's a living room project, I don't want you to just write down, you know, I want 
a blue couch and I want an area rug because I don't like wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. You know, don't give yourself a shopping list yet. We're nowhere near that in the process. Right now, I want you to make a list of things or ways that you want this room to make you feel. I want it to be emotionally focused. And I have definitely had clients that had a little resistance at this part. Uh, speaking very generally, uh, trying not to offend anyone, women love my process. They do. They love the opportunity to reflect and look at things in an analytical way um, and talk about their homes from an emotional perspective. Men, it's a little harder to get you guys to open up. Um, I've had good luck sometimes. Other times it, it takes a little bit more time to get you to really uh, jump on board with the emotional end of, of the home renovations and redesign. Um, but with that said, you know, make a list. Say, this is really what my living room is doing for me now that I like, and this is what it's not doing. This is what I wish it would do. And maybe for your family, it would be, you know, I don't have enough seating in here that if we wanted to play, I don't know, what's a board game? Monopoly. If we wanted to play Monopoly in here, I really only have three seats available before our thighs start touching and it feels cramped playing a two-hour long board game. Um, actually, I think Monopoly can go much longer than that, but for argument's sake, you know, that might be something you write down. I want enough, I want enough seating in here to be able to play a board game. Now, you have to be realistic. If you're living in a studio apartment and you're you're saying, well, I want to make sure I can fit 25 people and a small uh, orchestra in here. That's not going to happen, right? So be realistic to a degree. But generally, when you have space, if you have like an, a nice average size uh, living space or home, um, you know, even the most average, generally, I have pretty good luck helping people um, achieve the goals that they've set out in the beginning like this. So yeah, so look at your living room. Okay, I want to have enough room to play Parcheesi. Fine. Um, I want something that, you know, I don't have to be worried that my granddaughter, my baby granddaughter is going to be spitting up on everything and I'm going to be annoyed instead of enjoying her company. So, you know, write those things down. You don't need to do my job for me at this point and say, I want durable materials that are washable you know, which would be, let's say for a couch like leather or faux leather, let's say those are super easy to wipe down, right? Versus fabric. But you don't need to do that here. You just need to say, I find myself getting annoyed whenever my little baby grandchildren are here. Uh, and I, I don't want that feeling anymore. Just, just jot that down. That's, that's fine. You know, maybe you look at the walls and, and it's, I don't like this color. I, I don't feel good whenever I'm in this room. I don't know what it is. I just don't feel good. Write that down. And there's going to be a lot of things that seem random that come to mind when you think about your room. And you know what? I'll run this exercise with you really quick. I'm sitting in my home office right now. My home office is not a proper room. It's actually a loft. So uh, think of when you go up the stairs to a second floor where you normally would have a hallway and you would have rooms branching off of the hallway. Well, I don't have that kind of a second floor. I have a wide uh, I would call it maybe a 10 by 10 foot landing that then all of the rooms branch off of. And because I live in a small home, I don't, um, you know, have a dedicated room. Instead, I've converted this loft area to be my office. 
Um, I do have my desk in the command position, which means my back is not to the entry point of the room. My desk, my chair faces the stairs. So nobody could sneak up behind me and I don't have to feel any sort of um, physical insecurity about looking at the wall because I'm not. I'm looking out into the space. But I can tell you that I don't, you know, even though I'm a designer, my home isn't perfect yet. It's not exactly what I feel it could be. So looking around currently at my office space, I can tell you right now something that doesn't make me feel good. And that's the fact that I have no proper light fixture in a certain spot um, that I need it to be in. And it makes me feel, um, <laughs> quite honestly, candidly, it makes me feel like I'm disrespecting myself because I haven't taken a moment to install a beautiful pendant light. Oh, it's basically over my stairs right so I don't feel good when I look in that section of the space it makes me feel shame isn't that crazy that's really what it is I now maybe years ago before I started this uh, approach to design and learning everything I've been learning through the years I might look at that and just be like Ugh, I have an unfinished light fixture opportunity over there like shame on me and and whatever but it's so much deeper than that actually. Looking over and seeing that I don't have a light fixture hanging there makes me feel shame because I have not allowed myself enough self-love to swap out and put a fixture that brings me a smile when I look in that direction. Some might say that's dramatic, but these are all little emotional things that go on in our heads behind the scenes in our subconscious sometimes when we're home. If you look over at your countertop and there's bags of chips and cookies and they're all like kind of piled on the counter, that might make you feel some type of way. And if you can have it a different way, you might have all of your snacks concealed so that when you walk into your kitchen, the countertops are clean. It doesn't look like a cafeteria. It doesn't look like, you know, my kids took over my house. Look at all these, these Cheetos and cookies and stuff. Like, you know, you might have a different version in your head that would bring you joy. And instead, every time your eyes land on those chips, you just go in your head like, I'm so annoyed, right? There's a series of those feelings that you might be experiencing. And, and the goal is, I don't want that for you. I want every square inch of your rooms to be created with intention that no matter what direction you're facing, you can smile because you've respected yourself enough to do that for yourself. And you are worthy of this. You are worthy of good design. Now, that is really the home run, okay? Um, there's tears in my eyes as I say this because even being a designer, as you can see, I didn't think I was worthy enough to buy myself the light fixture I've been looking at for a year to hang there. And it has very little to do with money. It's that I put it last on my to-do list while I put everything else first. My clients, my my fiance, my son, right? Now, try to tell me that's not you. If it's not power, huge power to you. 
but many of us, we think, okay, it is what it is. This is my house. I got this couch from my mom. I got this picture from whatever. And, and that brings me back to the beginning of this episode where I mentioned, you know, are you one that when you get out of bed, you stumble into the bathroom, you don't give a crap about anything your eyes land on, and you do your thing and get out the door, and you essentially disassociate and disconnect from your space because it means nothing to you. It's just somewhere where you're getting ready and you wake up in the morning. Whereas there is another uh, option for you and that's where you're the person who you wake up, you open your eyes and you have this beautiful shade of light blue on your wall that brings you a smile because that color reminds you of something down at the beach maybe. Right, And I walked you through that where your feet maybe feel the fibers of the rug and that makes you smile and there's a piece of artwork that makes you smile. And, and these smiles are internal because now as you're maneuvering around your home, all of these things make you feel good vibes versus that, look at all those chips or I can't believe I didn't change out that light fixture. All of these micro little comments that you're, that you're you know, giving yourself in your brain. So that's where, again, you know, design is so powerful. It can be medicine. And I'll, I'll devote a different episode to this because I do have a collection of research that I've done myself that cites sources to show and to prove to people that there is a science behind interior design, that interior design can lift people from depression that they can live a happier, more satisfying and fulfilled life if they enjoy their homes. Because remember, like I said before, your environment guides your mindset and the rooms we create, create us back. So if you are a DIYer and you're not at the level or you're not comfortable uh, enough yet to hire a professional designer to walk you through some of these things and you're doing this on your own, that is okay. I am just happy to know that you are willing to take a look at your home from this perspective and really do the healing work and you know sit there with a journal and, and take notes about how you feel in your rooms. And you know, maybe write down the things in your house that you really aren't fond of. They just ended up there. You know, I invite you to really sit and focus on the accumulation of things around you. And through that work, you will eventually start a roadmap for yourself where if followed properly and if you truly listen to this roadmap, it's going to get you feeling confident about the things that you're buying. It's going to get you feeling amazing, incredible, untouchable when the room is done because that room was designed according to your heart and not 10 latest trends or somebody else's Pinterest board or what your mother-in-law thought you should buy. Now, we're almost to the end of the episode, but there is something to say about if you are designing with a spouse. That's a whole nother ballpark, okay? And as, as a designer, it's something I actually pride myself on being pretty good at managing. And that's, you know, the expectations of, of one spouse and, and the expectations of another or a partner, you know, whoever it is or a roommate, you, you know, both people are equally as important as each other. 
And I find sometimes during the design process, you see a husband or a wife kind of take the back seat and just kind of be more submissive to the other and, and put themselves in the, in the, you know, lesser position of, you know, I just want my wife to be happy. I just want my husband to be happy. Let them have what they want. Now that is a beautiful, loving, selfless place to be in, but you also live there and it doesn't matter if, you know, let's say you're a husband and you're, you work a lot and your wife is, you know, the one who's predominantly in the home with raising, you know, child rearing or working from home. And for you as a husband to say, you know, I just want my wife to be happy. I joke all the time with my clients, like good hubby, like, you know, happy wife, happy life. But that's not always the best way because later on in the process, we might end up hitting a wall because so much control was given to the, the wife in this case and the husband all of a sudden is just like, well, what, what reality am I living in? Like, I actually don't like any of these things. So, you know, or I've seen the opposite where, you know, let's say a husband is the breadwinner and he's, you know, has a, makes a great living and he paid for the house pretty much with his profession. And, you know, we have a, a stay at home mom and she says, well, you know, I, I really want, this is, you know, he's paying this is, you know, his project, it's, it's his money. And, you know, I, I'd like to give my feedback, but I really just want him to be happy again. No, you're both worthy of connecting to this home. And there is a way to make it. Usually there's a way to make it so that there are elements in the room or in the home that resonate with both of you. And there's a hierarchy. And these are all things that, you know, I can't, possibly cover in one podcast episode, but with my clients, because I do work with them for weeks and months and sometimes a year at a time, these are all things and exercises that we do together. But, you know, for your purpose, if you're listening and you're a DIYer and you have a husband or a wife and, you know, that's kind of your, your thing, it's like, you know what, choosing my battles, I'm letting them choose everything. Mm, I invite you to maybe revisit that thought process. You are just as worthy of loving this home. It doesn't matter who earns more or who spends more time in it. You are both beautiful humans that deserve to love and connect with this home that you are maybe raising your family in, or even if you're not parents or have any pets or, and it's just you two, it doesn't matter. Our days, we don't know how many days we're all getting. And what I want from the depths of my soul, if I was a billionaire, what I want is for each person in this world that has a home, I want them to love it. And why? Because I think that they'll go out then into the world and do beautiful things. They'll have a better mindset. Mindset is everything. You could have the best ideas in the world. You could be so good at what you do, but if you have a negative, sorry, sad, you know, uh, cynical attitude, you're not accomplishing much, right? Or vice versa. There's so many examples I can give. You know, what if you, what if you love your home? What if you wake up every day and you don't feel guilt about, let's say we're post project. Let's say that the project is done. The money is spent. Everything's new. You can get, you are allowed, you are worthy of waking up and rubbing your eyes open and saying, yeah, that's right. I love my house. And you don't have to feel guilt about what you've spent. You don't have to think about the price tag attached to each one of these items. 
And that's again another conversation for another episode. <laughs> but this is something else I go into with my clients all the time because interior design, as I said, you know, it, it is emotional when you're working with me, or from my perspective, it is emotional, but intertwined into that emotion is money. Money stories, financials, your history of how you've viewed money up until now. All of that carries into how you're approaching this project. Are you someone who releases money freely knowing that that, that money you've released for something in your house is going to serve you, boost your mood, help your mindset, uh, add to the practicality of your home, which will then in turn help you perform better in your job as a mother, right? Or are you somebody who says, no, I don't need that. I just want the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest. I, I, I don't need it. I don't need it. And you know what? For the longest time, that was me. And I also respected that mentality because it meant you were not um, disrespecting money in a way by like, quote unquote, blowing it. But in my wisdom of 33 years, <laughs> I view it differently now. You are worthy of spending money on yourself. You are. You get to. In a responsible way, of course. Don't take your family's food budget and blow it on a beautiful one-of-a-kind area rug. Don't blow your family's food budget for three months, you know. But once you've paid off your necessities, once your necessities are covered and you have a budget for redesign or you have access to money for this, whether it be whatever, credit cards, savings, whatever it is, you get to spend that money on yourself. It doesn't mean you're selfish. You are fully worthy of this. This is your sanctuary. Your home is everything, okay? So with that, I'm gonna leave you guys for now. I hope that you, and I invite you to, you know, really start to look at your design projects uh, from this lens. Don't dive headfirst into going to Lowe's or going to a tile store and saying, what materials do I need? Ah, how much is everything? Don't even go there yet. Don't start with the shopping. That's not step one. That's like step five. Step one is learning yourself. What you desire. What you desire. Okay? So... I love all of you. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> if you have any, I want to invite you actually that if you've listened to this, I'm offering free F-R-E-E -E, discovery calls, okay? Meaning you can book a call with me where we can talk about your exact project, scenario, home, and you don't even need to be at the point where you're ready to start a project. It might be like a twinkle in your eye at this point, but you can book a free call with me and you know we'll set aside that special time where we get to talk about you and your specific project okay and from there if you want to move forward working with me with Tara Rotelli you can um, hire me locally if you live in New Jersey and I can um, you know I'll come to your home and we'll design face to face but if you live outside of New Jersey, I can still work with you. I offer an e-design service, which means you're getting FaceTime with me through Zoom. You're getting walked through my design process, and I'm holding your hand until the last 
detail is in place, I'm doing that with you digitally. And I have a system that allows me to do this that I've taken a lot of time to um, curate properly. So uh, yeah, give me a call. I'm here for you. And if not, if that's not what you're looking for at this uh, point in time, that's okay. I'm also going to invite you to email me. You can email me at podcast at tararotelli.com. Thanks guys. Have a good night. And again, I'm here to answer any of your questions about design, especially if you've listened to this episode. Take care. Hey there. If you've made it this far, then guess what? You're one of those who are sticking around to help me clean up after the party. That's right. Grab a bag and let's do this thing. But really though, this is the part where I ask for your help. I've created Design Your Reality as a way for people to get incredible information and meet awesome new people. And I need your help getting the word out. So if you can tell a friend about this podcast, or screenshot an episode and post it on Instagram, tagging at Tara Rotelli. If you do that, I will be sure to repost your post or send you a thank you for being a loyal listener or maybe even a little gift. Hey, bribery. Um, <laughs> the other thing you can do is leave a rating or review on whatever application you have used to access this content. Thank you so much. You're a champion. You're an incredible human. I love meeting my listeners, so please reach out. And you can shoot me an email at podcast at tararotelli.com if you'd like to talk or recommend a guest. Thanks so much, and make it a great day.